Creative, and welcome back to the Empowered Creatives Podcast, finding confidence between hustle and burnout. I'm your host, Victoria Hines, creative career coach, helping creatives just like you navigate those career hurdles. I'm super excited about my guest this week. Her name is Jackie Sanders. She is an artist and founder of Jay Sanders Studio, a fine art and arts products business focused on transforming life's mundane moments into memorable experiences, one piece of art at a time. She has a community-facing studio in downtown Raleigh, North Carolina at Artspace, which is where I stumbled onto her and her work, and is the co-founder of the Level Up Artist podcast, a free podcast for career-minded artists. In the spirit of community over competition, Jackie has also recently launched her own creative coaching business, focusing on digital marketing services and creative business coaching. So I'm also in the spirit of community over competition, love speaking to other coaches, love speaking to other people who have launched their own podcast, <laughs> love speaking to people who are doing really awesome and amazing things. And I'm so glad you're on the show today, Jackie. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Speaking with you and getting to know you recently, clearly our paths cross in many different avenues. So we'll have a lot to talk about. I'm super excited. I am too. All right. So I kick it off with a big, hairy question. What do artists and creatives need to know is possible today? Oh man, good question. I think knowing what's possible really means defining success for yourself. I feel like, especially as creatives, and sometimes we may think there's one path for success, but that's one thing I find so empowering with being an artist and being around so many creative minds is there's so many ways to define success. And so ultimately you have a, the control as a creative, as a business owner, and it's all about where you want to end up, which is both very exciting and empowering, but also a little bit terrifying. There's not a clear route for everyone. So really understanding that you're in control of your creative path, your creative career, your creative business, and whatever goals you set ahead for yourself. And then it's a matter of reverse engineering to make sure you're on the right path. Oh my gosh, 110%. And I think that is always the hardest piece I look back on jumping from college into the real world is I feel like you just adopt everybody else's version of success. And then you spend your entire twenties trying to refigure out, well, what do I actually want? Right. Exactly. Especially if you go into maybe a corporate job and you're taught to climb the ladder and that can be super fulfilling if that's where you find Mm -hmm fulfillment and reward for yourself. But I feel like it's a more common narrative recently, especially in the past three to four years of people blinking and all of a sudden five, 10 years has passed. And you're like, wait, how did I get here? Like, do I even want to be here? Whether personally, whether professionally. And that's one thing I talk to a lot of artists about with coaching or even ones that come to my studio Um, And even in my personal life, honestly, is really trying to be as intentional as possible with every choice that we make and constantly reassessing. How does this feel? Where do I see this going? What path is this taking me in? And am I okay with that? Of course, you're only in control of so many situations. You have ebbs and flows of life factors that you can't plan for, but there are more factors in your control than you think. And so really finding those as empowering and 
consciously choosing, okay, this is where I want to go. And this is how I'm going to spend my time to get there. Mm, 110% because you can't do everything. Right. If you try to chase every version of success at the same time, like it's exhausting. And I I remember this analogy. um, Another coach told me about, they were like, it's kind of like one, like craving three different types of food for dinner. And you hop in your car and you start driving to a Chinese restaurant and you get halfway there and you're there and you're like, oh, no, 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 I want Italian. So then you drive to the Italian restaurant and then you get halfway there and, there and you're like, no, 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 I want Mediterranean. So then you like yeah. change course again and you would just go in circles, not getting any closer to where you want to be. Whereas if you just go to one, sit down, make a choice. Right. And just try the food. You might realize, OK, this is great. Or it might be, nope. Let's go to the other place. Right, exactly. I love that analogy. <laughs> See the visual of a car going in circles and eventually you're going to run out of gas and you're still going to be hungry. You're not going to be fulfilled. You're going to feel burned out, which is why I love the message of your podcast of really understanding those hurdles and understanding how to avoid burnout on your creative journey is a huge part of it because you're right. If you listen to everyone's advice along your path, oh, well, this person says, I have to make art products. And this person says, I have to be coaching. And this person says, I have to make large scale work. This person says, I have to make small scale work. Like there's always options to do. Like we're creative minds. We can think of a lot of projects for ourselves, (laughs) but it's about finding that clarity and focus. That's the constant battle. Absolutely. So I want to know, I love your journey from, so you we're an art student in college. How did you discover the work that energized you when you were an art student? Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, I went to Virginia Tech back in, started college in 2011, got an undergrad in um, studio art and art history and ended up getting my master's in museum studies. In undergrad, as you do with most art degrees, you're exposed to a wide range of different styles, um, different classes, different mediums, and then having a fascination with art history as well. They kind of go hand in hand, of course. And so just really the overexposure was incredible. But even growing up and in high school, I've always loved bold color and sharp geometric lines. Um, and so that really carried through in college. It was just the style that I naturally gravitated towards. Um, I was never necessarily one that would doodle cartoons on my papers during school. I would always (laughs) be just like making geometric blocks and lines and, um, different blocks of color. And so I think understanding that, yes, it's fun to explore different styles and maybe see how. Um, educating yourself on different art movements can inform the style that you're currently using. But I always found that I gravitated back towards a style that's certainly more developed than it was 10, 15 years ago now. Um, But it's at the heart of it. You can really see the foundation of the style that I do today, even back then. Finding that right balance in your career is incredibly difficult as a creative. If you are lacking time, energy, or money to do the thing that you love, it might be time to figure out what needs to change. If you have no idea where to start, I encourage you to grab my free creative career audit. This worksheet will walk you through a process to help you identify what's bringing you joy in your work and what really needs to go. You can head to my website at www.victoriahines.com or grab the direct link in the show notes below. 
Alrighty, back to the show. So I know you touched on this, so I want to dive into this topic. How do you manage your time? Because I know you have a day job. So how do you manage your time to still create and be in the studio while also working a day job? Yeah. So the infamous question of how do you do it all? I think (laughs) for me, it has really been a long journey. Um, When I first graduated college, I do as most do. You need to have money. I was juggling six part-time jobs when I first graduated and then finally got a full-time day job that I absolutely loved. It was still in a creative field, but a very time demanding job. Um, and so in my mind, I'm like, well, it's kind of creative doing more graphic design. And so Mm -hmm. I really didn't make anything for five, six years after I left college. I was like, well, like I moved to a new city. I'm make, trying to make new friends. I have this full-time job. And I really didn't question it too much, especially because after college, I went through a, a crazy burnout because I went zero to a hundred for my senior portfolio, which I loved the body of work that I made, loved the exhibition I was able to host as my senior show. But it really was like the definition of a burnout, like getting three hours of sleep, eating takeout for every meal, like not taking care of myself mentally, physically, um, on all levels. And so after college, then like working the day job after five, six years, I kept realizing like, what's missing? What, what do I feel? Where do I find that fulfillment? Um, and I found that I wanted to explore what it looks like making a body of work again as an adult, as crazy as that sounds. Like it's crazy to think even like as a someone who went to school for art, I'm like, what does it look like to be a professional artist? Like, yeah, okay. You can show in museums, showing galleries, but I think very logically and very practically, but I'm like, okay, but what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? Um, and so for me, that meant still having a day job, um, and waking up a little bit earlier each day. I realized that, especially at that time, the job I had where, um, some days I would get off work at 6 PM. Some days, if we had projects that need to go out, it'd be eight, eight 9 PM. So I couldn't always count on the evenings, um, to be dependable time to work. Um, but I knew, well, when you, if you wake up first thing, I don't have to be there until a certain time. So I know that's the time in my mind, like I own that time. I have total control. It's the only control I have. And so started waking up at seven, six thirty, six. sometimes even as early as like four 30 and five, just as I was gaining that excitement for creative practice again, then knowing that if nothing else in the day got done. I knew I prioritized my creative practice first thing Mm -hmm. and doing that for about a year before getting a job working remotely, um, I think was really important, especially from a creative evolution standpoint of really proving to myself too, that my creative practice was a priority. Um, and it started with just a daily practice, a daily drawing series that I did. It was just a simple piece of paper and a Sharpie because I I like sketching with Sharpies, go back to the bold line thing. Um, Okay. (laughs) You're going to make one drawing every single day. Some days it may be a two hour sketch that evolves into a larger painting. Some days it may be a circle because I overslept and I have to be at work or I 
did it after work and I'm exhausted. And I'm like, a circle, that's my creative output for today. Here you go. But it was that constant um, reaffirmation that this was a priority in my life and something that I wanted to commit to. Um, and I think as most creatives have feel, you can feel when you're gaining momentum, where it's sparking that creativity and that energy to where then like all you want to do is dive into this project. And that one idea spurs 10 more ideas and you just can't bring them to life fast enough. Um, and so I really love being able to feel that creativity again. And having that morning creative time is something I still keep in my creative practice today. I've a little bit more control over my schedule these days. I do work remotely, um, but being remote, it's more of a flexible schedule of when you can get your work done. Um, but I still find whether I've trained myself for the early mornings or whether um, there really is that kind of magic right when the sun's about to rise or right when it rises, um, that's where I find I can get the most clarity in my thoughts and the rest of the world's not awake at 5.30 in the morning. So no one's distracting you, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Nobody's to... banging on your door, sending you a Slack. Oh, right. Slack. No emails. No one's calling you or you don't have to like bail on plans for dinner because you have to get this painting done, um, which evening sessions still happen too. But I think that was the biggest learning lesson for me is I felt like I really didn't have the time to pursue art. We all have a million excuses, right? We have yeah. family, we have friends, we have commitments, we have jobs, multiple jobs or one-time commitment job. Um, but I realized like if I didn't have the dime, I have to make the time and treat it just as if they were a client, as if I had dinner with a best friend. Like, would you really cancel on them multiple days in a row? Would you mm -hmm. keep pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off? Um, if you have a meeting, act like it's a meeting with your boss, say like, I can't just say, Oh, sorry, I overslept and I'm just not showing up. Like, no, you're going to make sure you get up and make sure that I was honoring commitment to myself as much as I was honoring those to everyone else. That's, Oh, that's such a good point. Honoring the commitment to yourself, which I think, I mean, different people have different obligation tendencies and like ways yeah. that we show up. But I think that's, it's so much easier to let yourself down than it is other people. It's so much easier. Right. And it's hard to like, I think it almost time management goes into that piece of like self-worth a little bit too, of yeah. you're worthy of your own time and prioritizing yeah. it and what you want. Exactly. And I think that's one thing then as you gain momentum as a creative, and if you want to turn your art hobby into a business, that's what we talk a lot about on our podcast, the Level Up Artist podcast, or within business coaching um, with me is, okay, what does it take to turn a hobby into a business? And what does that look like for you? Because just like you said, everyone's schedules are different. Everyone's priorities are different. So making that roadmap of how do you define success what does your lifestyle look like right now and what needs to change in order to get there? It may be, okay, you wake up 20 minutes earlier to send out a newsletter once a week and growing your marketing that way. And maybe, okay, you need to ask, you can only commit to one friend hangout a week or I don't know, ask <laughs> your husband to help with 
dinner one night because you're like this two hour block where I can really focus in paint will make such a difference in so much of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's the other thing too, of realizing that it can feel super overwhelming as a creative and any entrepreneur who has these big dreams. And we've all felt that roller coaster of one day we have the best intentions, whether it's a creative goal, whether it's a fitness goal, whether it's any type of commitment you're making to yourself, of on your most motivated day is not when you should be setting goals for yourself. Cause you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to wake up at like five 30 in the morning, every single day. I'm going to like have my workout done by six 30 and then I'm going to paint and then I'm going to do this. And that's like, like that would be great if we could just rinse repeat every day, but that's not always how life works. Nope. Um, and so realizing that there are going to be hurdles and there are going to be days where you're more motivated or less, but by adding more to your plate, you're not always adding things that are draining energy from yourself, mm-hmm. making sure that you balance out. Okay. There are some things in life that are more draining of your energy than others. And they're just part of your commitments and part of the long-term vision and things you have to do. But there's also things you can include in your schedule that can fill you up and you leave that with more energy than when you entered into it. It may be social outlets. It may be a creative practice, even if it's a five minute drawing every single day, even if it's a two hour painting block once a week, it doesn't have to be this huge commitment. It doesn't have to feel super life-changing in the moment, but it's those little things and honoring those commitments as you go that become those life-changing commitments. Hmm. I love that. And it's almost, it's taking those, those gradual steps and finding something that's doable and feasible. Yeah. I kind of want to segue that a little bit, going back into your story of moving from grad school into the real world, because I know you talked about feeling, I mean, grad school, especially like, I think it does this to every student is they're really good at just piling everything on top of you. And it's not gradual, no pun intended, right? but it's just kind (laughs) of like produce, 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 produce. And so what was that like ending graduate school and then stepping into the real world? Yeah, I think it was really interesting for me because I actually did not do my graduate degree in fine art. So Mm -hmm. in grad school, I actually wasn't producing any artwork. Um, I did it in the official title of my degree is material culture and public humanities. Um, So it's the study of history through objects. And so most people that go into that path go into a collections-based job, being um, a registrar or working at a museum. I had a focus in exhibition design. So when you go into a gallery or museum, you decide what color their walls are to create an energy in a room, where the artwork is laid out to be, have the most optimal eye eye lines within the space. Um, And so it was interesting after undergrad doing a senior show and then jumping as you were saying, like most grad programs, it's super intense in terms of the workload and in-class commitments, out-of-class commitments, and also that pressure of networking and what work experience can you get outside of the classroom that's going to like set you apart for this looming graduation day where you know you're going into a super competitive industry. Um, So attending conferences and all of that fun stuff. It was interesting because it was still arts related, but it was definitely more of the behind the scenes 
of the art world. And that was one thing when I first graduated grad school was kind of my vision for what I wanted to do. Um, In my eyes, I saw that as the quote unquote practical application of like, I love art. I love making work. I love exploring concepts and creativity, but what if I could help highlight other artists? What if I can do the design for a gallery or a museum? Um, So that was really my goal, which it's kind of funny looking back on. Then you go through the job application project process and you realize how hyper competitive that field is to where one job opens up and people that have their PhDs and 15 years of experience are all applying for that job. So you can be as prepared as you want, but it really is so much about um, industry experience and networking. But honestly, looking backwards, I'm so thankful for that time because as business owners, we wear all of the hats, right? They're especially for if you're hanging artwork in corporate spaces, in smaller galleries, in the homes of collectors, you need to know how to center a painting on a wall. You need to know, okay, if you're pitching an application, it's interesting now, okay, you apply to have a solo exhibition. Well, I remember assessing which artists would get solo exhibitions and which one in at a gallery I worked at. So it's like, you kind of know the secrets behind the curtain, so to speak. So like you can speak that talk, um, which I think, especially in the arts world, it's really good. And I encourage most young artists to get as much experience as you can, even if it doesn't end up being your full-time job, because I think in Mm -hmm. all industries, like it's always just valuable to learn about different aspects of your industry or like how these different roles play together. Like what does a curator do versus an exhibition designer? So then, you know, how can I make the strongest application um, when applying for these things? Almost helps you to put yourself in their shoes. So you're able to um, really know what their job is like, which then helps you able to speak their speak and know what they care about, what they value. And this kind of goes into the sales world, but when you know what somebody else values, then you know how to pitch yourself to that value. Right, exactly. And I think honestly, for those who may not have that that experience or who may not have resources to have access to that information, the biggest takeaway I think that I learned, which sounds so simple that it's a cliche and kind of funny, but like everyone are just people doing the best they can. And I think especially when it comes to many art organizations and nonprofits and very passionate people, like it really goes a long way when thinking back to like logistics and practical applications that your listeners can take from (laughs) it of like, it really goes a long way to have just like a very clear artist statement and good photographs and a clear like voice for what your work represents, like sharing your story. Because people who are assessing these applications, they may be doing three different roles in an application, in an organization. And so if you don't have anywhere online for you to be able, then be able to see more of your work, that might limit your opportunities because someone else just has more information in their application. 
And so really like helping making life so much easier for other people, I think goes a long way. And that comes a lot with just being prepared um, as a business owner with being able to put your best foot forward. Absolutely. Oh, love that. And I feel like all of what you just said ties back to like the very, very first thing of knowing what you want and knowing what success is for you. Because that's also something that if you can't clearly communicate that, becomes really, 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 really hard to market yourself as well. Yeah. And it's, I mean, All it's ties both together. to, yeah, it's both to like gallery owners, if you're applying for exhibitions, or if you want to sell directly to collectors by promoting on social media or on an online shop, it's so much about just understanding yourself and your work as well as you can so that you can present it to others as clear as possible which does take time and it does take process or <laughs> talking through it with the coach and being like, okay, clarify on this. Or like this sentence really speaks to me because of course we all know what's going on in our heads, but the trouble is how do I communicate that to other people to where it makes sense and it's clear and it's something that feels right to me. I think, especially as artists, like representing ourselves in an authentic way is super important and at the top of the mind for so many people, whether it's on social media or on your website or in an artist statement of really making sure that how you present yourselves feels right to you and feels right to the work that you're making and the unique voice that you have. That's so great. All right. Our time is quickly coming to a close, although I feel like art, I could talk to you forever. Yes. <laughs> Big question before I ask you how we can stay in touch. What advice would you give to an artist who is looking to feel more confident in their career? Oh, that is a very good question. <laughs> For artists looking to be more confident, I would say... Well, for one, finding a community that you can support on is always super important. Um, It doesn't have to be anything super formal. It can be a friend that you touch in with once a week and ask about your creative goals. But the other would be really taking that time to assess how do you define success? Not listen to anyone else, maybe take advice here and there, but take that time to process really for you, like, what does success mean for me as an artist? Does it mean making a certain amount of income per month? Does it mean having a certain type of exhibition? Does it mean finding purpose and fulfillment in my creative process that I show up to on a consistent basis? And it may be multiple things, but I think once you define what success means to you, you can better create that roadmap to where you feel fulfilled and you feel like you're aiming towards something and not just driving between four different restaurants for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Oh, my heart just aches for the gas on that uh, expense. (laughs) I know. Especially with prices these days, we don't have time. (laughs) All right, Jackie, how can we keep in touch with you? And more importantly, also listen to your podcast. Yes. So you can follow me on social media. Um, I'm at J Sanders studio across all platforms or my website, JacquelineSanders.com. We also have the level up website. Um, but our podcast, the level up artists, where we demystify the creative process and share ideas with other career-minded artists can be found on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, YouTube, Google podcasts, and Apple podcasts. 
Perfect. Thank you so, so much for being on the show today, Jackie. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. I'm so glad Jackie could join me on the show this week. And truly, 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 if you are ever in Raleigh, North Carolina, go check out Art Space. Go check out, out all of the amazing visual artists and different type of artists who have studios in that space. It's a really, really cool venue, as well as the Level Up Artist podcast. All right, here's your one thing this week. What's your version of success? Grab a pen, paper, or your laptop and write it down. What does success look like to you in your creative endeavors? All right. Thanks for tuning in this week, creative. Do be sure to rate, review, and subscribe if you're liking the podcast. Also, share it with a friend or two if you think that they might take away something beneficial from this episode. Until the next time, stay creative. <laughs>